and welcome to Conspiracy Theories Football. I'm your host, Josh McDaniel. I started this podcast because I love football and I love conspiracy theories. And I think that if you like football or you like conspiracy theories, that you too will enjoy this podcast. If you do, please subscribe, like, or follow us. Give us five stars and tell all your friends. Today's episode, episode two of this podcast, will be talking about the Tuck Rule. NFL Rule 3, Section 22, Article 2, Note 2. When an offensive player is holding the ball to pass it forward, any intentional movement of his arm starts a forward pass. Even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tuck it back toward his body, Also, if the player has tucked the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Surprisingly, when you look up the tuck rule game, you will find Patriots and Raiders, the playoff game in 2001. But the first time the tuck rule was used, supposedly, was the Jets versus the Patriots earlier that season. When Vinny Testaverde went back to pass, Patriots defensive end Anthony Pleasant apparently forced Jets quarterback to fumble the ball, with Patriots defensive end Richard Seymour making a recovery. The call, though, was overturned upon review and ruled an incomplete pass with the tuck rule cited. But at the time, listening to that Raiders-Patriots game, no one knew of the tuck rule. The announcers never once, when they cut the action, started talking about, oh, but there's this tuck rule, this tuck rule may change this call. No one knew about it. Even sportscasters after the game, I never remember one saying, oh, but this was used once before with the Jets versus the Patriots. Even now, talking to fans, any fan that I've talked to remembers the Raiders and Patriots as being the only time that the tuck rule was used. It was actually used four times according to history. The first time and the second time we've talked about Jets, Patriots, Raiders, Patriots. But later on in 2005, it was used with the Redskins versus the Broncos. And then in 2010, it was supposedly used with the Chiefs versus the Ravens. The tuck rule started in 1999 and then was taken out of the the rule book in 2013 and was only used four times according to history. But it makes me think of the Mandela effect. The Mandela effect is when thousands, even millions of people remember an event happening, but according to history, that event never happened. So the Tuck Rule should have its own conspiracy theory called the Tuck Rule effect. And that's when thousands or even millions of people do not remember an event happening, but according to history, that event actually happened. And the tuck rule is something that you would think people would have remembered happening. So now, we're going to talk to our resident Raider fan, Chad Owens. Just like with any terrible thing that might happen in one's life, Chad no doubt can remember vividly the day of the tuck rule. What was going on, what happened, and how he felt at the time. So, let's get into it, and let's see how Chad felt about the tuck rule. Do you remember, Chad, where you were when you watched this game? Yeah, I was at my house. I was watching the game. 
And I remember thinking, as soon as the hit, the Charles Woodson made the hit, and I think it was Beaker that recovered the fumble. I'm like, game's over. We won. We're going to the AFC Championship. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm like, wait a minute. They stopped the game. What's going on? And then you see the referees talking, and I'm like, it was clearly a fumble. What is going on? <laughs> you know, why are you going on a replay? It's it, it was clearly a fumble. Because, right? you know, up to that point, nobody had heard of the tuck rule. Right, so you so you see the play on the field as a regular fan. You're like, that's a fumble. What are they talking about? And the referee, he spends like maybe ten, fifteen minutes under the hood looking at the replay, and you're like, it, why, why are they taking so long? It's a clear fumble. And he comes back and he says, Patriots ball. He was bringing the ball back in. It's called the tuck rule. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I'm thinking, I, I, like I told you before, I've never had a physical sick feeling before watching a sporting event. But that's what happened that day. I literally got sick to my stomach because I felt like the Raiders had been cheated out of a playoff win because of a rule that didn't exist. I found out later that I guess it existed, but it had never been used but maybe once. <laughs> I'm like, why would you use that moment to use that? call in a football game and up until that time I had been a I didn't really believe all the other Raiders fans when they said the NFL was out to get the Raiders but when that play happened I flipped to the other side because I'm like this is nuts you know you can't make that call in the playoffs when it's the second time that rule has ever been used and we looked at it before the first time it was used was not even close to how it was used in the Raiders game. Exactly. Well, me and my stepfather, I remember watching this game. And neither one of us had a dog in the fight. We just loved watching football. And so we were watching the game, and both of us were the same way. This isn't going to take long. And a long time later, they come back with this ridiculous rule. And me and both my stepdad looked at each other and were like, What? That... That can't be right. Surely yeah. they're not making this call. And it was kind of surreal for me when they got back under center and snapped the ball. I'm still in the, mm-hmm. you know, I can't imagine for a Raiders fan what it oh. felt like. Yeah, it, it was It was very, like I said, I got sick to my stomach that day. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. it yeah. Was, you know. It was it was very interesting. Uh, my stepfather at that point was the one who started telling me the stories about Al Davis and the terrible stuff that happened between Al Davis and the league. And you know, we talked in the last episode that this happened to be after the fact. Al Davis was sued by the NFL, but won because he moved from Oakland to Los Angeles, and they were trying to stop that from happening. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he was able to win that case and got to keep his team in L.A., even though the the NFL themselves were furious about that move. Mm-hmm. But it was funny, because we talked about this before, that Baltimore up and moved in a night to yeah. Indianapolis, and they didn't care about that. Right. But that was one of the original 12 NFL teams that... They all loved each other, those 12 original NFL teams, and they really didn't want any of these other teams included, but kind of got strong-armed into including the AFL, and hence we have the NFL that we have today. That tuck rule has been talked about forever by many, many different people, not just Raiders fans. 
Everybody but Patriots fans seems to think that that was a fumble. Now, the interesting thing I did looking into that game. I will stop you just real quick. After Charles Woodson retired, you know, he went back to the Raiders, he retired. He he started working, I think it was for one of the networks he started working uh, for as a as a broadcaster. And uh, he was talking to Tom Brady in an interview, right? Uh, this is like maybe two, three years ago, I think, before Brady was about to go to the Super Bowl. And because, and, you know, Woodson and Brady played together in college in Michigan. That's and, right. And so Woodson, he at the end of the interview, he's like, okay, Tom, go ahead and admit it. It was a fumble. <laughs> <laughs> and Brady's like, no comment. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. I remember seeing that. That was that was really funny. Yeah. It, it was pretty funny. And mm-hmm. it, one point, I believe I heard that Tom Brady even mentioned the fact that it might yeah. have been a fumble. Mm-hmm. You know, because... Everybody that's seen that play believes yeah. that that was a fumble. That yeah, aren't Patriots fans. One more thing: the the press conference where Josh McDaniels was named the head coach of the Raiders just a few months ago. At the end of the press conference, he's like, "It was a fumble." <laughs> <laughs> that would totally make sense. Good yeah. time, good time to to bring that yeah. out now that you're moving over to the Raiders. Exactly. <laughs> probably, uh, probably might have saved his life too. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah course it's a good thing they're in las vegas now yeah Mm -hmm. doing some research on it i heard something i'd never heard before that supposedly this play had been called before Mm -hmm. and that they used the tuck rule before that season with the jets versus the patriots Mm -hmm. so supposedly the patriots had knowledge of this play so you and I went back because we wanted to see this supposed tuck rule happening in action. Yeah. And so we watched the play. Now, like I said, big Houston Oilers fan, Warren Moon, my favorite player in history. He is second in the NFL for the most fumbles in a career next to Brett Favre mm-hmm. as far as quarterbacks are concerned. And the only reason why Brett Favre is number one is because he played in almost 100 more games, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So – I saw a lot of fumbles. That was definitely a fumble in my book. Now, when you go back and you watch the Vinny Testaverde pass in the same year that was supposedly called a tuck rule, his arm was going forward. Yeah. Even by the old rules, that was an incomplete pass. And it didn't look anything like the Brady play at all. Absolutely not. No, his (laughs) arm was completely going forward at a constant forward motion. Now, the other thing with the tuck rule is that it happened a few times after that fact. Right. Now, the funny thing about that, I really couldn't find those videos to really give a tale one way or the other. But Mm -hmm. frankly, I don't care. Maybe it really was another case of the tuck rule, but I think that's Mm -hmm. just, you know, the NFL going CYA or something. If it even was the same thing as a tuck rule. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. It's almost like the immaculate reception. When it happened with the Raiders and Steelers, the NFL realized that's a dumb rule. They got rid of it. Now, the funny thing is they waited till Al Davis was dead to get rid of the tuck rule. <laughs> so, you know, you know, you know, what does that tell you? Oh, yeah, exactly. And it wasn't until 2013 that they abolished that rule. Right. Official that made the call and also made the call later on at one point basically said that competition committee looked over it and they couldn't think of a better rule. I can think of a better rule. The original rule of if their arm is going forward, it's an incomplete pass. Right. Uh-huh. And if it's not, it's a fumble. 
So I think they had it right the first time. So mm-hmm. I don't think they had to change it any different. And a funny thing, the last time he made that call, supposedly in 2010, with the Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens, yeah. he said at that time, that official claimed that it was a bad call, even though he claimed before that yeah. not necessarily a bad call. Yeah, so you want to hear my personal theory on this? Yes, I would love to hear it. Okay, so what's happened since the tuck rule? I think what happened is the NFL realized what the the, the level they could get away with, and fans would still go along with it. After the tuck rule. So if you notice, it was after the tuck rule that the NFL started changing a lot of their rules to be more subjective instead of objective. It was after that point. I noticed that when I after that game. It's like from that point on, they started changing a lot of their rules to be more subjective. So the referees had more control over what how the game went. Exactly, exactly. And we see that a lot, too, with the the reception rule. You know, Mm -hmm. it is absolutely infuriating to see what a reception is and how it comes about. And Mm -hmm. we remember when we first started football that it was the easiest call in the world. Two feet down, possession. Yep. It was a catch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the concept all of a sudden changed and then... Plays that were absolute catches started being called incomplete, right. and the the rules were so blurry that you, yeah. even as a fan, you couldn't. Is that going to be a reception? Is that you know? Yeah. You actually yeah. questioned it, and it was yeah. like the Des Bryant mm-hmm. catch against yeah. the Green Bay Packers in yeah. the playoffs. Now, I'll give you another example with the Raiders. I think it was, I think it was before Derek Carr, so that maybe two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. It was when the Raiders had Terrell Pryor at quarterback, right? They score a touchdown, the receiver catches the ball, falls in the end zone, gets up, spikes the ball because he just scored a touchdown. The refs said you didn't complete a football move after you called the pass, no touchdown. <laughs> I'm like, really? So you just called back a touchdown because he celebrated? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so many rules have been changed to where it's it's whatever the refs think happened. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's funny because watching all those games, you know, I've seen so many. And I think every fan probably has a time of a reception that should have been a reception that wasn't a reception. Yeah. The Des Bryant one, I remember, yeah. because it's one you see all the time. And I mean, that mm-hmm. that dude most definitely yeah. caught that ball. And it's just, it's yeah. crazy what happened. And, of course, it would be a playoff game. Yep. You know, a really big football game that they made such a terrible call. But once again, we talked about this, and it's a funny thing that it seems like every time that the NFL has some stupid rule or some stupid play call, they change the rule. Yeah, it it seems like it has to happen in a big national game for them to realize, you know what, that's kind of a dumb call. (laughs) But it's always after the fact. You know, you know, you know that they decide to change the rule. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny you mentioned the holy roller play. I'd never seen it before. Yeah. And of course, they changed the rule after that to yeah. to uh-huh. make it to where you know people couldn't toss everything forward to get a, a fumble recovery. Yeah. But it was it's a hilarious play. If you, <laughs> if you were like me and you hadn't heard or seen the holy roller play, you should look it up. It's comical. There's some that has John Madden talking and John Madden commentary is absolutely (laughs) awesome it's great that's another time that the nfl changed another rule 
And the tuck rule's another time. And another interesting thing that makes the tuck rule kind of like the Immaculate Reception is it started the Patriot Dynasty. You know, the Immaculate Reception was kind of a starter in many people's minds to the Steelers' dynasty of four Super Bowls that kind of got them in the national recognition spotlight. And then a couple of years later, they start winning Super Bowls. Now, obviously, Tom Brady wins that Super Bowl. We all know the story with Tom Brady after that. Eventually, we're going to have to do a Tom Brady slash Patriots episode that will probably take about a hundred episodes because of all the times that people feel like they were slighted by the Patriots, which, you know, when you hear of all of them, you're like, Oh my goodness. I can't believe every time I look into Patriot conspiracies, I find another one. (laughs) But the most interesting thing about that particular Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that they went to that year, they played the Rams, even Marshall Falk said that he felt they were cheated in that Super Bowl. The Patriots, terrible losing records for many years. Uh, One of those Uh years in the 90s, they were like 1-15. in So, like I said, in my opinion, my worry was next week against the Steelers. Yeah. (laughs) That was my worry. But the interesting thing about that year, Mm -hmm. that year was the year of Spygate. Right, yep. That particular Super Bowl is that it was because the Rams that they actually investigated the Patriots on Mm -hmm. spying on other teams' practices. Because of this, the NFL investigated and found, and according to the way I've seen it, read it, heard it, the NFL found that the Patriots did spy on other teams, Mm -hmm. but not the Rams. That Super Bowl, it had nothing to do with that Super Bowl, but the Patriots had been doing that, but it didn't really have anything to do with the Rams, even though the Rams themselves are the ones that came out and said, hey, you know, it was during Rams practices that they caught these people recording the practices, and they're like, hey, somebody needs to investigate this, but evidently that game wasn't affected by that, according to the NFL. Those players felt like they were cheated, and Marshall Falk basically said in that Super Bowl, he's like, listen, I get over losing a Super Bowl. He's like, but I'll never get over getting cheated out of a Super Bowl. That was one of those great conspiracy theories that I'm sure we'll get into later about Spygate. To me, the Tuck Rule and Spygate did something interesting to me because you believe uh, about the referees that the referees show favoritism to people. Yeah. And that can be just natural, you know, like Michael Jordan and some of the greats of all times when, you know, they're obviously going to get a little bit of of credential because they are who they are. And, you know, you're going to give them kind of the nudge if there's a penalty to be called, possibly. That's where I feel like Tom Brady illegitimately got that kind of praise because he wins his first Super Bowl on Spygate and the Tuck Rule. And from that point on, it seemed like the referees constantly gave him preferential treatment. Right. Now, all you Patriots fans are going to be mad and probably (laughs) send me bad emails and write terrible reports about us for saying these words, but it's the way all of us feel that aren't Patriots fans. I'll say this. I have friends who are Patriots fans who were Patriots fans before they were Tom Brady's Patriots, and they will say, yeah, uh, you got uh, we got you on that one. 
Yeah. Exactly. From that point on, it did seem like, and I mean, people talk about this all the time with Brady. This isn't just common people saying yeah. this. All There's plenty of people who will say that the referees, you can't hit Tom Brady. Right. You can't touch Tom Brady, yeah. you know. And one of the championship games with the Chiefs, a guy just had his hand hit Tom Brady. Uh-huh. And they called roughing the passer. Right. They ended up getting a first down, and it really was a turning point in the game that cost the Chiefs the game. Yeah. But all because Brady's not allowed to be touched. Right. So I'll give you an example of this uh, with the Raiders. Okay. Like I said, I've been a Raiders fan for a long time. I was talking about the touchdown that got called back because of the celebration. And I remember watching another game, but I think it was the same game with the Steelers. One of the Raiders receivers got knocked out in the end zone because of a late hit to the head. Was laying on the field, knocked out. No flag, right? But I noticed a change after after uh, Derek Carr's rookie season. His second season. I think that was the year that he was a possible MVP candidate, right? I, I noticed. I could tell a difference from watching the Raiders games for the past 15 years. They were getting more favorable calls in the games, and I honestly believe it's because <clears throat> Derek Carr was a better role model that they wanted to promote than the Raiders' previous quarterbacks. I really do believe that. <laughs> and I agree with that. It seems yeah. like sometimes the NFL latches on to people that they think are going to be stars or superstars yeah. and uh, give them a little bit of favorable treatment. Right. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, you know, Tom Brady – all of us can say, even as much as you might hate Tom Brady for the stuff that's happened and how crooked things seems, yeah. he seems like a super nice dude. Yeah. And he's not so cocky and arrogant like everybody's calling him the GOAT and right. some players like Jerry Rice is so is like, yeah, I'm the GOAT. Tom Brady doesn't necessarily wear that. Yeah. And he constantly <clears throat> gives credit to other players. It kind of helps. You want to hear on the fly? Conspiracy I just thought of. Okay, go okay. for it. So I just, you heard this recently that came out. Uh, Dana White, the leader of the uh, uh, UFC, or the C- CEO of the uh, UFC, he just came out this last week saying that he had a deal brokered between the Raiders and the Patriots back when Brady was going to leave the Patriots for Brady, or for Brady and Gronk to both go to the Raiders. And John Gruden uh, turned it down. <laughs> right, right. He, he he at the last second. Cause you know the interview where Tom Brady uh, was talking on this, uh, I think it was a television show, and he uh, he said he was about to go to another team, and they turned it down at the last second, and he called the other quarterback. You're sticking with that mf'er. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, this week it was confirmed. Derek Carr was that mf'er. <laughs> right. It was confirmed by because uh, it was it was uh, Gronk's uh, podcast. That uh, Dana White said this, and Gronk was like, yep, you're right, that's what happened. That's funny. Yeah, so what I'm thinking is I think the NFL wanted Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl because Tampa Bay was going to host the Super Bowl that year, right? And I think they wanted to do the same thing with Derek Carr that they just recently did with Matthew Stafford. They wanted Derek Carr to lead the Raiders because they want the Raiders to be considered a a Detroit Lions-level team. They wanted Derek Carr to leave. Go the that I think they wanted Derek Carr in the spot where Brady ended up. I think they wanted Derek Carr to win the Super Bowl with the Bucks as the Bucks were opening up, uh, or as they were hosting the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I've never, <laughs> I've never heard that one, and that's uh, well, that's like definitely said, interesting. But it, I'm you know, here, we're talking about this, and I'm like, you know what? It's helping this click. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it, it is. It's interesting when you start into these uh, conspiracy theories. It, yeah. it, it kind of starts kicking off things in your mind, and you know yeah. whether they're true or not. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it becomes interesting, and like you say, you know, yeah. there possibly was a time when uh, Brady was thought to be going there and that right. would have been uh-huh. that would have been something and I could see that I could yeah. see John Gruden saying no yeah. because if Tom Brady and Gronk went to the Raiders and they won a Super Bowl mm-hmm. it wouldn't be because of John Gruden they won the Super Bowl exactly uh-huh. I'm sure he would just be like yeah. in in John Gruden's case if he doesn't win the Super Bowl that year he's in <laughs> deep crap yeah. you know <laughs> yeah so I mean just imagine the storylines John Gruden with the Raiders Tom Brady and Gronk, and then it's it's Brady uh, who who beat who beat Gruden with the tuck rule, and it's the team that Gruden won the Super Bowl with against the Raiders, <laughs> the first time. Yeah, you know the storylines would have been endless with that Super Bowl. If it had been the Raiders versus the Bucks, Derek Carr versus his former team, you know all that stuff. <laughs> Quite a storyline for a Super Bowl for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. We certainly want to thank. Chad Owens again, our resident Raiders fan, for reliving his tuck rule experience. We no doubt want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in and listening to our channel and to this podcast. And if you would, please subscribe or follow us. Give us five stars if you really like us. That'll make it easier for other people to find our podcast. Now, unfortunately... Last week, I thought that the NFL season started today, Sunday, September 4th. I was mistaken. It actually starts September 11th. So we did make some predictions last week for week one of the NFL season. Chad's was the Chargers losing to the Raiders. Mine was Seattle clearing the six-point spread versus the Broncos. This week, I'll go ahead and make another prediction, and I'm going to pick Cleveland to beat Carolina. Now, once again, please do not bet on our picks. Like the NFL, we are for entertainment purposes only. You don't want to bet on our picks. We're amateurs at this. We've never gambled before. So, if you bet on us, you're betting on people who have no experience whatsoever. This ends episode two. Next week, we will talk about Super Bowl 37, the Raiders versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This one will be enjoyable because players on both teams actually felt like the end of the game was illegitimate and that something nefarious went on in this game. Not only players from the losing side, but also a player from the winning side call into question the results of this game. So tune in next week for Episode 3, Super Bowl 37. Thank you again, and enjoy your week.